Welcome to the Vaughn Nelson Podcast. Today is the third quarter of 2020 Vaughn Nelson Select Recap Call. In the third quarter of 2020, Vaughn Nelson Select Portfolio returned 7.85% gross, 7.59% net, and that is up against the S&P at 8.93%, which brings the year-to-date gross number to 7.38%, net at 6.57%, and the S&P 500 year-to-date at 5.57%. With me today is Lead Senior Portfolio Manager, Scott Weber. And with that, Scott, I will turn things over to you. Thanks, Dan. Um, so as you, as you mentioned, uh, we had a nice high single-digit quarter, but uh, the quarter had a little bit better high single-digit number. Um, uh, it was a little different uh, this quarter in that uh, uh, selection uh, was not a positive contributor, but allocation was a positive contributor. Uh, and that's just a function of not owning a couple of the, couple of the high flyers. We, we didn't own Apple during the quarter, and that was the biggest contributor to the S&P again. Um, so all in all, pleased with uh, absolute performance, but uh, always happier when relative is positive. Uh, the market was up in July and August. It was down in September. The market was up today when we started and down when Trump tweeted, and that's sort of symbolic of everything that's, uh, that's going on with respect to the world uh, there's a little bit more volatility as we expected. Um, so the market through the quarter was responding to some dollar weakness to the perception of COVID stabilization. And hopefully, uh, certainly the COVID stabilization trend continues. And I think we are probably of the mind that the dollar weakness isn't fully over, but would shy away from really giving a, a macro uh, concrete forecast there. Um, during the quarter from a from a contribution standpoint, every sector was up in the index except for energy. Why does that sound like a broken record? Um, consumer discretionary led the way with nearly 20% gains. Staples, industrials, tech, materials, each had good double-digit gains. And there were just a handful of names in, in the portfolio that, that, that lost value in the quarter. But So, so the rally was, was pretty broad, again, outside of energy. Um, with respect to attribution, you mentioned the relative performance. Uh, it was, uh, in terms of lagging the index, that, that was pretty evenly distributed. Energy was a weak spot again, um, but there were, apart from that, no real hot spots per se, so nothing that you'd look and say, this is a problem that we need to address. Um, in terms of the allocation, the cash levels were consistent and, and I'd say normal during the quarter, unlike uh, late in the first quarter this year when they held more cash. Uh, it was kind of a busy quarter, again, in terms of trading, because uh, volatility gave us the chance to improve the overall complexion of the portfolio. So we bought uh, seven names, and uh, we deployed more capital into information technology, materials, staples. We actually added a bit to energy as well on its weakness. Uh, and we booked some gains uh, in consumer discretionary, in financials, in healthcare, and in industrials. And so we sold six names in total for a net one name addition to the portfolio. Feels like with, you know, with 30-ish names, we're heavy on names and we're aware of that, but uh, we you know, really like what we own uh, and are obviously every day diligently working to try and make this portfolio better. Um, as, as you look through in terms of the characteristics of this portfolio, very consistent with the way you, you always see this the select portfolio look in that we continue to have high active share, mid-80s, 
higher uh, ROEs, generally higher returns in general than the index, and generally margins as well, at a comparable valuation. Um, I would point out that because we don't own utilities, uh, real estate, and we really don't have a large bank presence, our multiples kind of look higher by comparison, but the, the businesses that we have, uh, frankly, are better con contributors, we think, in the long run. Um, I would say that our market cap, which has been in years past a little higher than the index, is a little bit smaller than the index, but not so much that you would say it, it's off or anything. It's just a small bit off. Um, in, in keeping with the, the, the note of consistency, just like the characteristics, our factor exposures were consistent with the way they've generally been. Um, as I pointed out earlier on, what differed this quarter is, uh, is that even though our stocks did well, uh, there were a couple of high flyers that, that we didn't own. And as a consequence, that led to adverse uh, effects and from a factor standpoint in security selection, which is not something you normally hear uh, in, in the select portfolio here. So selection was, a, was not a positive contributor for the quarter. That's unusual. And obviously, we hope that doesn't continue. Um, but, but all in all, very pleased with uh, the factor exposure and the positive uh, absolute return. Um, as I mentioned, the cash position wasn't particularly high, but given that we had a couple of percent of cash, give or take, that was uh, a bit of a drag on performance given that the market had a pretty heady gain for a single quarter there. Um, as we turn and look at the macro, uh, the market during the quarter preferred smaller names, uh, continued to perform to prefer rather growth versus value. Uh, that, that whether or not value stocks will work is, you know, it's still a hot debate amongst equity investors, and I think that's beyond the purview of this call, but we've got our own thoughts there, and we're happy to share them with investors and clients uh, if they, they want to call in. Um, I think as you look at valuation, it's what I would characterize as a bit of a growing concern, but not out of control. Um, the concentration is, I'd put in the same bucket, it's a growing concern, but not out of control. I think the investing world is widely aware of the concentration, particularly the contribution of returns, from you know, essentially five names. We own a few of them, not all of them. Uh, we don't want to be overloaded, uh, have all the eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, and, and so we're, we're aware of that exposure and think that we're navigating that prudently. You know, the, the economy, if you look at US GDP, uh, sustained a, a pretty heady quarter over quarter shock um, in the second and going into the third quarter. The, uh, the stock market, you know, if you line those numbers up, you know, having a positive on the year and a positive on the quarter performance from the stock market doesn't really seem to fit well with uh, the economic statistics that we see. Uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily, though. I think if you look at public companies, particularly larger public companies, certainly the largest in the index at the moment are more predisposed to the changes that we're seeing. I think you've heard a lot of people say that uh, COVID didn't necessarily change the world so much as accelerate existing changes that were already in place. And I think that's accurate in many respects. Um, and so the, the stock market being ahead of what is a weaker economy is not terribly, terribly out of whack. Um, the U.S. market uh, did enjoy a bit of a tailwind from an investing standpoint of about a 3.5% decline in the dollar during the quarter. I think that's sort of a harbinger of things to come. And, and again, shying away from concrete macro predictions, I would say that we're watching the dollar like a hawk, and I think that's going to be a bit of a fulcrum in the, the shifting macro um, backdrop that we have. You know, Powell is, is absolutely begging for Congress to come out 
and, and offer a little more physical support from a policy standpoint. He, I think he's essentially said that the, the Fed's played their hand from a monetary standpoint. Uh, as we record today, just a few minutes ago, there was a Trump tweet that uh, that said that the Republicans won't be negotiating any further on fiscal support until the election. Who knows? That could be, that could change tomorrow. That's not something you you build a portfolio around, but certainly the market swung around on that uh, um, on on that tweet. Um, so in any case, in the longer arc, regardless of the outcome of the election, I think that uh, more fiscal support is probably all but inevitable in some form or another. I think the United States is sort of catching down, if you will, to the rest of the developed world in terms of socializing some of the risks that we've embedded in the, in the economy as a function of COVID and, and frankly, levered balance sheets. Uh, that means that things like yield curve control are a real possibility. And again, the, the effects of the dollar that, that likely follow. Um, it's interesting to point out that treasuries have lost their yield advantage versus other, sorry, I should specify U.S. treasuries, have lost their yield advantage versus other government bonds. Um, so that, buy, that buyer pool has narrowed. And that leaves you know, the heavy lifting for treasury consumption, if you will, to domestic investors and the Fed, of course. But that's a smaller pool in general. Uh, and so from a, financial in, uh, from a financial asset standpoint, you sort of have the Tina trade, which is, you know, there's no alternative. And, and frankly, that favors equities. Uh, um, it begs the question, though, will commodities follow the gains that we've seen, uh, certainly in metals, uh, precious metals, especially this year? Uh, again, who knows, but it's definitely something to watch. Um, ordinarily, we turn to valuation here, but I think we sort of covered that earlier. So I'll go straight to positioning. The positioning really isn't very different than it was last quarter. Um, I think that uh, we we made a number of changes in net-net. Uh, I, I alluded to the allocation in terms of additions and subtractions, but the portfolio profile is, is very similar than it was and consistent with how we normally have it. Um, we just think that here again, we have better names. And, and that's because there were some great companies that we owned that we sold really on valuation. Um, one of those actually ironically got put into the S&P soon after selling. So maybe there was a little bit, little bit more gas in the tank that we didn't quite capture, but we're not here to capture 100%. We're here to make sure that the, the assets are prudently allocated. So we like where we are. Uh, we're looking for the telltale signs of leadership change in the market. Uh, we continue to, to turn over, uh, um, you know, 10Ks and every, every manner of information we can on these companies and, and, and try and understand them better. Um, and, and the last thing uh, I would point out from uh, from a macro standpoint as it relates to positioning is we're noticing higher volumes on down days as opposed to up days. And whether that means the we get a little bit lower highs from the stock per performance, uh, it remains to be seen. But uh, one, one thing's probably reasonably predictable, and that is uh, it, it's going to be a volatile ride uh, into the fall. I mean, we haven't talked about uh, the massive amount of options that have been sold uh, this year specifically, but and as well, uh, the, the option trades built around the elections. We're working through to try and figure out what that means in terms of possible outcomes with respect to the market's response to election outcomes. But, you know, as, as we learned in 2016, um, polls aren't always right, and the outcome don't, doesn't always behave as the way you'd expect. And so we're baking in really 
a broad uh, port a broad portfolio of options, so to speak, not to make a pun, um, for, for each of our names, and first and foremost, trying to make sure that we are curtailing risk so that we don't have an embedded election trade, if you will. <clears throat> I don't feel like that's an area where we could claim to have an edge or, or any real expertise. Uh, we're, we're, we're hewing to the long-term discipline, what we've always done and will continue to do. And, and I think with that, it sort of summarizes uh, select for the quarter and where we are now. Well, good, Scott. Well, thank you very much for that and for the insight and uh, solid quarter. And, and let's hope uh, the returns of first three quarters roll over into, into Q4 and we'll keep this train rolling. So thank you. And we look forward to having you again here soon. Thanks again, Dan. Perfect. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.